What are you really hungry for? Is it food, happiness, or something else? Dr. Lynn Rossi, a clinical psychologist and author of the audiobook The Mindfulness-Based Eating Solution, has discovered a few simple truths. Diets don't work, and mindfulness is the secret weapon that will help to revolutionize your relationship with food. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Today we're sharing an exclusive interview with Dr. Lynn Rossi, a clinical psychologist and founder of the groundbreaking program Eat for Life. She is the author of the acclaimed audiobook The Mindfulness-Based Eating Solution, Proven Strategies to End Overeating, Satisfy Your Hunger, and Savor Your Life. Her audiobook offers meditations you can return to again and again, as well as hard science on weight loss and food. This audiobook is a must-listen for those of us who want to savor our food and our lives. In today's interview, Dr. Rossi offers her insights on mindfulness and how it relates to healthy eating patterns. She talks about one of the most freeing and radical ideas in her audiobook, There Are No Forbidden Foods. She offers some actionable tips that will help set you on the road to a healthy, nourishing relationship with food. If you're ready to say goodbye to confusion, shame, and despair, and open the door to peace, enjoyment, and self-acceptance, then you'll appreciate this interview. The mindfulness-based eating solution is for anyone who eats. So that'd be everybody. But particularly for people who have struggles with how they eat, or anyone who's having trouble embracing his or her body with kindness and compassion, that, again, pretty much includes everyone this audiobook is for really anyone who has trouble dealing with their emotions and uses food to fix them. It's for people who eat when they're stressed, when they're bored, when they're lonely, or when they're happy, or when they're sad. People eat for every single emotion. And when we're emotional is not really a time to eat. It's when we're physically hungry that we should be giving our body food. This book is also for anyone who's critical of their bodies or shames themselves about how they look and maybe have given up on themselves. It's for people who have been on diet after diet with frustrating results. This is a book for anyone who has difficulty with overeating or eats without being aware of it. This book is also for people wanting to raise their consciousness about the food that they eat. We have become very unconscious about our food and where it comes from. And so this book begins to open people's eyes to what it is that they're eating and to consider that before they eat. It's also for anyone who's confused about how to have fun getting in the kitchen and making homemade meals for themselves and their family instead of relying on fast food, which has been so destructive to our diets. I could go on and on, as you can tell, because our issues with food and eating are so diverse and complicated. And the beauty about this book is that it uses the skill of mindfulness. And mindfulness is really this multi-purpose strategy for dealing with all of the issues that people face around food in their bodies. So it doesn't matter 
what the issue is, mindfulness can really be brought to bear to help people have a better understanding of their own minds and bodies and how to treat them. So people with no experience in mindfulness can learn how to begin the practice, but it can also benefit people who've practiced mindfulness for some time. Our struggles with food and our bodies are often just masking other difficulties and conditioning that can be addressed successfully with mindfulness practice. So what is mindfulness? It's certainly being talked about a lot these days. But before I talk about mindfulness, I usually like to talk about mindlessness because I think we know so much more about that. There's a great quote by Leonardo da Vinci, which describes mindlessness perfectly. He says that the average person looks without seeing, listens without hearing, touches without feeling, eats without tasting, moves without physical awareness, inhales without awareness of odor or fragrances, and talks without thinking. When I read that quote to people, I see their heads shaking up and down in recognition of how they live. It pretty much sums up the human condition. And it's really not hard to comprehend the consequences of living like this, particularly when it comes to eating. People really do eat without tasting. I have people tell me all of the time that when they start practicing mindfulness, they discover many of the things about the food that they eat. In fact, I had one woman that came into the second week of class and said, I don't like anything that I eat. I just hadn't noticed before. I think that is profound. We can put food in our mouths for years, sometimes many years, and not really taste it. And it's simply because we're not paying attention. I always say I don't have to tell people not to eat fast food or junk food. I just tell them to eat it mindfully and see what they notice. I don't have to ever tell anybody what to eat, right? Just notice and see what you think yourself. So mindfulness is about paying attention to what you can sense inside of you and outside of you in each moment, and to do so with curiosity, openness, and kindness. So it's about being present with all of your senses and knowing what your relationship is to the experience of the present moment. And the skill of mindfulness is something that you can train in. And eating is one of those activities that you can use to increase your mindfulness. So if you pay attention, before, during, and after you eat, you will know many things that will help you. First of all, you can assess whether you're hungry or not. If you're not hungry, then in general, don't eat. <laughs> Notice why you're reaching for food when you're not hungry. Maybe there's something else going on, right? Maybe you're tired or bored or stressed. Those things don't get solved by eating food. You can mindfully assess what it is that you want to eat. Right. Take a moment if you're hungry, you know, assess what you want to eat. Take a moment to determine what would satisfy you in this moment. And if the food is something that you want to put into your body. So once you've decided what to eat, mindful awareness of eating allows you to really enjoy your food. At some point in the meal, you can determine when you are satisfied and when you're no longer hungry. So mindfulness helps you to stop when you're satisfied because you're aware that you've met your taste and hunger needs. You've been present for the experience. You know that you can always have more later, so even if it tastes really good, you don't have to have it all now.
really struck when I started teaching mindful eating that the people who show up for class because of issues with food, eating in their bodies, really made it evident that the suffering that they were experiencing was probably broader than just about food and their bodies. These difficulties are often masking broader issues we have about how to understand and regulate our emotions, how to work with our own minds and our thoughts that are oftentimes critical, as well as our ability to create meaningful lives. Most of us haven't been taught how to manage our emotions effectively. We didn't get a course on it when we were in elementary school, although I think that's changing. There's a lot of mindfulness in the schools these days. But if you haven't learned how to manage your emotions, it can be very difficult when strong emotions arise. It can be difficult just to make it through the daily stresses of your life, right? The daily stressors can really get to us. And food is quick, fast, easy, and readily available as a fix for our emotions. So when we're stressed or emotional and eat food, we temporarily soothe that emotion. The problem is, is that we have to keep eating in order to keep soothing ourselves, and then we end up overeating as a result. When we stop eating, the problems we face are still there, and so we eat some more. <laughs> it's really a vicious cycle that can be hard to break out of. However, if you use mindfulness as a way of coping with your emotions, you learn how to be with the emotions without eating food and to actually realize that emotions are mentionable, manageable, and natural. And it's a much better way of coping. There's different thought patterns that people have that encourage overeating. So thoughts and feelings of shame encourage overeating. And there's a lot of shame and guilt around weight. Thoughts and feelings of shame really don't help us. and They only hinder us. Another one, which I think is a big one, is that people often overeat because they don't know the difference between their wanting minds that just seek pleasure constantly and their bellies messages about when to stop eating. So when somebody's eating something, they're not paying attention to the fullness in their belly. They're paying attention to their mind that says, ooh, that's pleasurable. I want more tasty food, right? And so it doesn't matter if your belly is completely full. The mind, the wanting mind keeps saying more. So when you can start making the distinction between the wanting mind, which is never satisfied, by the way, so no, no need in trying, and the belly, which has, you know, registers volume, you can begin to respect the body by respecting the fact that my belly is full and I can have tasty food at a later date. Tasty food is always available to me, so I don't have to have it all now. In addition, research has indicated that dichotomous thinking is prevalent in people who overeat. For instance, if you think you've overeaten chocolate cake, you eat more because you're never going to eat it again starting tomorrow, you know, or you might get frustrated when you break a rule you've given yourself, or maybe you've not lived up to some unrealistic expectation and then completely give up. There is an all or nothing flavor to this type of thinking. People set up foods as good and bad, and they prohibit the bad foods, which leads to overeating because anytime you prohibit something, you want it, right? Which takes me to my next point, which is the philosophy in my book about no forbidden foods. In the book, I talk about the idea that there's no forbidden food. 
And this idea can be a little or a lot confusing for people at first. So it's really helpful to explain it. No forbidden food does not mean that you can have everything that you want all of the time and as much as you want. That isn't what no forbidden food means, except that's what people hear oftentimes. First of all, if you forbid yourself something, what happens, right? So when I ask this question to people, they invariably say, if I forbid myself something, I'm going to have it, right? So if you forbid yourself a particular kind of food, you set yourself up to have it later, and usually a lot of it, and you're going to have it in secret, you're going to feel shame about having it, and you're going to swear you're never going to do it again, and you're going to eat a lot of it. It's this binge deprivation cycle that you set up when you forbid food. So that doesn't work. On the other hand, when you take away the prohibition and allow yourself to have anything that you want, then you take the pressure off. You can think clearer. You can actually decide more sanely whether you want the food or not. Oftentimes, people will say that when they allow themselves to have their forbidden food without guilt and mindfully, they really don't even like it as much as they thought they would. Sometimes they don't like it at all and decide never to eat it again. This way of approaching food is truly liberating for people. And with a little bit of time, they can learn how to be free and sane with food. I really also highly recommend that people start to do some kind of daily check-in with yourself. Your relationship with yourself is the most important relationship that you will ever have in your entire life. And yet most people don't stop to check in. Just check in. How is my body feeling? What am I feeling and what am I thinking? And then just bring your focus to the breath for a few minutes. Just be aware of the fact that you're breathing. If your mind wanders away, you just bring it back. These are the beginning steps of meditation practice. People that will benefit most from this audiobook are anybody that eats, anybody that wants to eat better, anybody wants to appreciate their bodies better, anybody who wants to have freedom with food and their bodies, really anybody who wants to understand how they eat, what they eat, why they eat it, and uh, when they eat. We have so much conditioning around food that listening to this over and over again, because with an audiobook, you can really listen to it as much as you want, that it can really help break down the conditioning that we have and the unconsciousness that we have around how we eat. Thanks for listening to this interview with Dr. Lynn Rossi, author of the acclaimed audiobook, The Mindfulness-Based Eating Solution, Proven Strategies to End Overeating, Satisfy Your Hunger, and Savor Your Life. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. 
For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.